Hello there and welcome to another Gas It Out episode and while it's not the sweariest episode we've produced ever, it's also not the cleanest. Most likely down to the fact that two out of the three participants had had or were having a beer and today's guest Cal Crutchlow doesn't drink so you do the math. Of the remaining two, one had definitely had more than the other. His lockdown drinking does not get any better, God help us. Anyway, more than usual, this is going to be like being down the pub with your mates without the scampy fries. So, enjoy. Oh my God, perfect timing. Why is that? Well... If you if you could have seen my last that like the last ten minutes of what I've been doing, like I've been flat out. I, I just tell me that it's something clean. <laughs> but obviously, it's something <laughs> clean. But you text me right. You said to me. You said to me. Let me think. Oh, it's God. about a week ago. Right. You yeah. went. We should have a few beers because no, we're doing no, Cal at no, night time. No, you no, did. You did. I said right. we should have a beer in hand. I've got oh, a beer right. in hand. Oh, bloody hell. I got I got carried away, right? So I'm Oh god. I'm, You're not three I've sheets four, of the wind, are you? Oh, you've had four no, what? Shandies? No, I've had four pint cans, right? So I'm merry, right? But then oh, you god. messaged me oh, to say god. I'll call you at 7.40. Yeah. And I thought, I've loads of time. And I look, bear in mind, I've got like food on the barbecue. Vic's like, she's just broken up because it's bank holiday. So she's like, she's on the gin and tonic. Life's good. And then I, I get your message and I think, oh, yeah, plenty of time. And then I thought, oh, actually, I've got 20 minutes to cook this, eat it and get talking to you. And literally, I've just finished my last mouthful. And here I am. Merry Christmas. Bloody hell. Bloody, yeah. Sorry. bloody hell. Sorry. So, right. yeah, I'm, I, I'm merry. But I'm not, I'm not pissed. I'm not. Oh, God. Right. Uh, first of all, um, <laughs> welcome back, everybody, to Gas It Out. And uh, this could be the one where finally we get uh, taken off air. <laughs> Oh, God. Apple or whoever uh, is in charge of this uh, nonsense. Um, yeah. So, are you done now? Oh, sounds like a bird outside. Are you outside? Are you doing this outside? Is this a different location? Are you not no, in not, your pants not. on your bed? No, I'm still, I'm still in the office on the bed, yeah. but I've got the skylight open because it's hot. So, I've been sunbathing. Oh, my God, I'm so burned. Oh, my, it's all. Oh, you should see my sunburn. I but you know, know what I'm like? I'm vain, aren't I? So, sun's yeah. out, shirt's off. Sun's out, guns out, standard. And. I had that conversation. Does anybody else have this inward conversation where they go, sun's out, it's going to be out all day. There's no rush. Put a bit of sun cream on. But but that, that vain part of you says you need to be burnt. You need to get a suntan. So why would we bother with cream? Yeah. So obviously you, you know I'm that, not bothered with yeah. cream. It's not a yeah. logical step. Like you can go sunburn without going, oh, sorry, you can get suntan without going beyond, without taking the next step. No, you're saying that because you've lived in Spain. I'm talking, I'm talking this from a British perspective. Right, right. You understand where I'm, I'm going. I'm also with that. lucky. I generally, I've been quite lucky. I don't generally burn, which I'm quite, I'm quite uh, lucky with that. There have been a few times though where we've been on air, we've been on the telly, a bit red faced because we've just been in the scorching heat of wherever it may be. Um, and, yeah, and... you're one of them though. You're one of them who gets completely burnt and then goes brown the next day. Yeah. I'm one of them who goes completely burned and then i just look a mess the next day as my skin starts to flake off my face yeah what um what are you drinking by the way pint cans i'm assuming that you're on cooking lager again oh hang on uh, hang on hang on I've, hang on i've sent a text off cal hang on hang on call me at eight mate i'll be ready i've just I sent him a open. message why don't you reply right, to me yeah. cheeky get yeah um, um i'm assuming yeah yeah you're pint on... can 
You're on cans of Fosters or something, Carlin? Shut up. No, Carlin. God almighty, what an insult. I'm a Cronenberg man, right? Cronenberg. If there's anyone that's got anything to do with Cronenberg that's listening to this, if there's oh any deals to be had. I thought you'd be on the cotton gin or at least drinking Swarfy. Oh, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the cotton gin. So, yeah. Hey, Gav, still not arrived? Well, I think they've got to make it first. They didn't have a still, if you remember. Yeah, fair point. When we, when fair we point. Uh, spoke to them. I'm on a Northern Monk, which is a, a local Leeds brewery on an origin, which is that nice. sounds like, But that sounded like a name drop, if ever there was. No, just should I, should I tell you why I've said it? I've got a, I've got glasses of theirs, and it's in the glass that says that name on it. But it's not a neck up. I wouldn't do that. You yeah, know yeah. me. I'm not like you. No, you're not <laughs> as shallow as me. Exactly. <coughs> Hang on, Cronenberg. I'm just gonna but... just gonna check the time on my Rolex. Sorry, Folex watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, what else have have you been up to? Um. Well, do you know what? I'll, I'm going to be honest because I've had four beers. I've been doing a lot of nothing, so I've right. been uh, I've been sat at home like everybody else, probably watching the Rob Mack memories on Twitter. Yeah, loving it. And and Steve Brogan's as well. He's uh, piped yeah. up with a couple, hasn't he? Your mate, my mate Brogan, who I you know, like he's out of race, and I've got some very good friends. Brogan's probably my best mate. Just love the man, and he's uh, he's helped out. He's uh, got stuck into the Rob Mack memories, where basically. There's a lot of ex-racers or current racers um, just telling stories from their career. It's been so entertaining. So I've had one of them days, sat in the sun with no sun cream on, watching Rob Mac memories through and through, just loving it. Oh, that sounds good. Um, how's your hair looking, by the way? Mine's um, getting to an absolutely ridiculous stage, having done the little trim last week. Just out of interest, because when I saw you on TV at the weekend, didn't actually look too bad. Well, it's good, doesn't it? Well, I get back to the, how vain I am. I have spent, let me think now, I'm going to say a good hour messing around, uh, shaving the sides, cutting All the right, top. All right, okay, so you've done it yourself. You have gone for yeah. a, like I did, and then Kate was going to help, and then I wouldn't let her. Have you allowed Vic to get stuck in? We tried that, and just when you're in lockdown, <laughs> if you want to argue <laughs> with your partner... <laughs> It's the key. Just let her touch your hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it Brilliant. was not good at all. We, yeah, we. It was like an. It was like a firework. Honestly, it just it was an instant, instant like argument. I just, you know. And she's going, "Why are you shouting?" And one of them conversations, I'm not shouting, but actually, as I said, I'm not shouting. I realised I was shouting. It was one of them. So yeah, yeah, the shout. I'm not. I'm just raising my voice. <laughs> yeah. So I realised it was. It was going to be a DIY job, so I've done it myself, and uh, it, it looks all right, actually. And being a tight northerner, I'm now thinking, like, I'm sure you're the same. Forever. Do, yeah, do I need to spend 20 quid every time I get my hair cut? You spend so, £20? Pounds. Well, I don't, but it's 15 quid, but I always tip them, so, because I'm, I'm like that. Salt of the earth, aren't you? Oh, just well, you know, keeping it real. Around, uh, a full uh, 25% tip or whatever. Hey, um, I'll tell, I, I, go on. On. I, I tell you what I did do... So, you know, I don't listen to lots of podcasts and I've started going walking in the mornings, get right. up, go for a walk and then come back and have breakfast. So I've been doing like about a half an hour walk. So I've been listening to podcasts and I was looking at people that I like. So I, I thought, oh, I quite like Frank Skinner. So I thought I'll listen to like one of his podcasts. Yeah, he does like Abs an absolute radio one, doesn't he? Exactly. Like absolute Saturday radio. morning program. On oh, news. my God. It's crap. I, I was so disappointed. I genuinely mean that. Oh, I was like, we're well, walking along. On our review. Here we go. And I was just like, oh, When oh they listen God. to ours, they're 
no, we've had a good feedback from our podcast, and I thought, oh, that's nice for people to say. And then listen to to like, you know, like a someone you've heard of. It, honestly, it was so rubbish. So yeah, oh, I quite enjoy a bit of Frank Skinner, but I think when they're at home, it's a little bit different. All of these podcasts are a little bit different. Yeah, it was I, crap. Honestly, it was crap. Right, it I just was. don't want to open ourselves up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, keep warning you. No, it was. It was crap. If anyone's listening, I won't bother listening to that. It's crap. Oh, it is, though. Oh, dear. And anyway, while we're on the subject, Ian on. is a knob. Well, have you seen the photo that Jorge Lorenzo put up with Yanone? They've yeah. obviously been together in Switzerland. For starters, I didn't realise Yanone lived in Lugano. But anyway, that's another thing. He's not only breaking the rules in terms of... Uh, what is going into his body, but breaking the rules in terms of lockdown. But, um, I, and I don't know what the rules are in lockdown, just to, to clarify, but Jorge says they met in person. He, you know, he goes, he probably shouldn't have done it, but I believe him, I believe him, uh, that sort of thing. So that was uh, that was quite interesting that I saw on Instagram this I week. thought it was nice, actually. I've got to say, it was a very nice um, tweet, or I don't know where he put it. Was it on Instagram? Yeah, I saw something it on, like that. Where he, he said, basically, I think I always thought he was a bit of an idiot. We've never really talked, but hey, he was all right. <laughs> yeah, and, and I believe him. I, I thought that was quite nice, actually. Yeah. Um, and in, just in the motorcycle world, Neil, um, they have said that the um, Dorna have gone to, I've gone with now, the, the uh, Andalusian government and the sports uh, body to the government of Spain, trying to get two rounds in Jerez, end of July, beginning of August. Oh, two rounds at the end of July. What do you think about that? I mean, it sounds so promising. I read it today and I'm like, oh my God, like after we spoke to Carmelo Espaleta, the boss of Dorna, and he, I mean, he was really positive. Then you read that, you're like, oh my God, this is going to happen. Unfortunately, my gut feeling is still saying it's too early. Yeah. I, you know, they, still they've lot, got to still get lots this of water to go under the bridge, isn't there? And yeah. they were saying how some people, and Cal might be one of those, that they need to put into quarantine for 14 days beforehand. So that's one of the questions I'd like to ask Cal. Um, yeah. you know, would he be willing to? I'm sure he'd be willing to do it, but you couldn't do that every week, could you? You couldn't do that for the rest of the year. No, I think the theory is, and I know you know this, is that they'll get everybody over to that part of the world and they'll keep them there and we'll we'll do a few rounds. And as that's going on, you hope, you know, things around the world are changing and uh, we're getting control of this virus and we can we can go racing in different countries and hopefully different parts of the world. Mm, yeah, but at least, I mean... It's positive, though, isn't it? It's, it's positive. Actually... It's positive from a sports point of view, isn't it? Do you but... think it's going to happen, Gav? I, I do th- I, I've always said, I didn't think it would be July. I thought it would be August and maybe in September because of the things that you were saying. But um, what's happening next uh, week from when we're recording this, um, Germany is bringing back the um, football. So their yeah. Premier League, Bundesliga, is coming back. Um, and... That I think it needs something like that, some confidence being put into the sporting system by uh, a major event going ahead. I know UFC are doing something this weekend live yeah. uh, in Florida, but you know they're not like a bellwether, are they? They aren't. Whereas football is, it, it, it is the the biggest sport in the world, and so if yeah. that does something, it has protocols, things work, and so on and so forth. The other sports sort of go well. They're doing it, so we should be able to. And they've been allowed by the German government to go behind closed doors. It's a very different situation over there because it's a national championship, but I think the likes of the Premier League and, and football in this country and maybe rugby, that kind of thing. Rugby's a bit different, big contact sport. But anyway, I just think it, it sets a tone, doesn't it, of what yeah, can be done. Absolutely. So fingers crossed that goes ahead and 
everything runs smoothly and like you say it, uh, it makes i think it makes the decision easier yeah that's what i mean it's, sort of, it's that like be. someone's already taken the flack for it there's there's a lot more riding on it and we know people's lives are at stake here uh, you know across the board and um responsibility so what you know what responsibility do you have to wider society and that kind of thing that's not we're not going to discuss those things. We're talking from the sports point of view, purely as a sports survivor and a carry-on point of view. It's a positive step forward that, that something's been happening. And, and I know they're actually taking all the other side into account. They were saying how everyone's temperature is going to be checked. That, that Having tests thing is a, a bit of a, a, a sticky wicket for me because I think to be taking tests away when not everyone can get a test who needs one, so on and so forth, that's not a nice picture yeah. to paint, is it? But no. they are taking it all into account, which is important and we're talking about two months from now aren't we yeah in advance you know exactly. what i mean so you, yeah. you hope they're ahead of it and and it's all sorted hang on a minute i've got another text from mr cal <laughs> i'm ready mate he's right. ready well should let's we give him a call, call then? Then? yeah, yeah let's, let's do it call. that's that's him that's him beeping up on my skype now right two seconds and i'll give him a call now then is that cal no, it's fucking Donald Trump. Oh, oh, oh my God, here he is. Bloody Donald. hell. He's st- we need <laughs> help, Donald. Are you, are you doing the Don? Can you get motorbikes back on my telly, please? <laughs> Hold on, is this recorded yet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you doing anyway? Yeah, good. Good. Neil, all right? Yeah, I was, I, I was slightly jealous when you sent me the picture of this, the perfect blue sky. <laughs> You did that on purpose, didn't you? You know me. I'm 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 a bit of a sunbather. <laughs> um, I'm black. It's so hot here. It's honestly. It was when I messaged you. It was what nine o'clock. Yeah. And it was twenty. It was twenty-seven degrees at nine o'clock. Wow. So it's uh, yeah. It's good to get out on the bike. Obviously, we're still able to go out here. So I was uh, I got out early so I could get back and speak to you two. Hey, it's a good part of the world, isn't it, where you live? out there <clears throat> oh yeah it's superb you know um for me being able to ride uh, ride the bicycle um and the weather's good you know i've been in the pool every day so it's great for training uh, good for the motivation normally uh, i know a lot of people and i ride with a lot of people here as well but um at the moment i just ride alone or with one other guy um and we just, uh, you know, I'm sat three hours a day. I just do three hours a day, um, and and that's it. But I've done three hours a day for the last twenty days straight. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and that's Southern it, California, you're in, isn't it, Cal? Yeah, it's San Diego, in San Diego, right. near San Diego. Um, place called Rancho Santa Fe is where we are. Um, it's it's perfect because you can head to the beach in, I don't know, on the bicycle. It's probably fifteen minutes to the beach. Um, and inland to the mountains is probably 30, 40 minutes, but it's, it's hilly, you know, it's hilly, but, uh, good weather. And, you know, obviously I come here in the winter as well and the weather's even good then it's, you know, it sits at 18, 20 degrees most, most days then. Um, but I'm not doing as much as what I would do in the winter cause there's no point, you know, um, mm. not, not, and have no, you got not, any mates out there? Are there any like are there any other bikers who live in that area, or is it just cyclists you're hanging out with? Um, the strange thing is, a lot of the guys that do ride bikes, uh, motorbikes, they ride the bicycles as well. Um, obviously, Josh Hayes is not far away. Um, 
and when Josh was racing, he was riding his bicycle a lot more. So I would see Josh quite a lot. Um, but I have quite a few friends here that ride on bikes, ride on track days, do a little bit of racing, and uh, and they ride their bike uh, quite a lot as well. So it's it's good. It's good good for the motivation, good fun, um, and we all seem to to be able to meet over over the week. You know, obviously not now, not at the moment, but um, especially in the winter when uh, when you're racking up big miles. Um, Cal, a lot of people ask me because we know you do cycling. You're really serious about it. Um, if you if you hadn't been a motorcycle racer, do you reckon you could have been a pro cyclist? Is that is that feasible? I don't know. It's hard to say because yes, if I you know if I'm in if I'm in the shape that I'm in in January uh, when I've done two months riding here, yes, I could go and race. I could go and race now, sure, and, and not embarrass myself. Um, so if you do it as if if I didn't race a motorcycle and you did it year round and as a profession, I think I could get in shape to be to be racing full time. Yeah. Really. Uh, what about what about then like the others? Because a lot of um, I don't know whether you were really the the not the leader, but the one that got a lot of people into cycling in the in the MotoGP paddock. But a lot of the riders do it now, uh, and which I didn't necessarily see so much before. But like Alicia Spar grows right into it. Who are the ones who are in proper nick? Yeah, they ride well. A lot of them do ride well, and they use it. As, as a great uh, training tool, you know, riding riding a motorcycle, you have to be fit. And people don't understand that. They think that you just twist the throttle and go. Um, but I've tried to explain to people over the years of how physical and how hard it is. Mm. Cycling is the only thing that works for me um, because I had bad knees. I used to run a lot, uh, but I had bad knees from when I played football and the running was was not going well. Uh, and the knees, my knees were hurting, so I started to cycle. This was probably 15 years ago when I was first starting out uh, um, racing and, and doing it as a as a career. So I've always taken the bicycle as as my uh, part of training. Now, one thing that most of the other riders do do is they do gym work, where I don't. I don't do it because I, I get too heavy. I put on too much mass, no matter what mm. I do. I just have that body type that as soon as I start to touch weights, even do my own body weight stuff, uh, push-ups, pull-ups, that sort of stuff, I just put on weight. And it's muscle and, and you can't – that's my body type. And you want to be as, as light as possible for MotoGP. Yeah, what, what's, Gav's, the, what's Gav, the ideal physique? Shut up. I know what you're about it, to say. Gav's, Gav's the same. You know, if he looks at a weight, he just puts on weight, don't you? I mean, if, if I look naturally... at a beer – yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. His <laughs> his his bicep curls are the pints. Um, <laughs> Done well. Yeah, you have, well. you have ten pints tonight, so it's a lot. It's a lot of curls when you're sipping yeah. when you're sipping them back. You um, wait till you see me back in the paddock, Cal. A stone over a stone has gone already. You'll see. You'll see. Yeah, gone up, gone up. Hey, <laughs> and I don't even have a bet riding on it like old Jake. I can't make Jake. You had that yeah, bet with yeah. you that time. Jake, yeah, Jake had the bet and. Tell us that story yeah. though. That's a good story for here, Quan. Yeah, because people well, people who don't know Jake, you know, who's who's like the the monster man in the paddock, isn't he? He's the one who uh, looks after all you guys who are sponsored by Monster. Yeah, you know Jake's one of my best friends, and uh, even though he works for Monster, and I work with him on a, on a daily basis with regards to business stuff, um, he's he's our best friend. Um, and a couple of years ago. <laughs> a couple of years ago, he says, I'm going to get 
to 85 kilo. I says, what? He says, you're dreaming, Jake. <laughs> he, says, he says, right, give me a year. So this was at the Malaysia test. He says, give me a year. All year, he was out of control. He was just same as always, normal Jake. And we got to Malaysia, which is, you know. Hang on, what did he sorry, weigh? Sorry, we got to Malaysia with? race. So we got to, we got to Malay. We were at Malaysia test, and he was 118 kilo. Oh my god! We he said he was getting to get to, <clears throat> excuse me, 85 kilo in a year. Oh, yeah. I said, Jay, I said it's a tough ask, mate. I says, but I tell you what, I give you 20 grand if you can do it. This is 20 grand bet. He said, okay, <clears throat> thinking he's going to do it. So we got to. Uh, we got to Malaysia race, which is at the end of the year, so it's November, near November time. And he's 119 kilo. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Jake. That, sorry, that's sorry, amazing. That, that's wrong. That's wrong. It was 10 grand. And then at Malaysia race, right. so he's put on weight, he's put on a, a kilo over the year instead of training and doing all the stuff. He said to me, I'm going to double it, 20 grand. And I've got basically three months till the Malaysia test. Uh, so a year, which was uh, actually the Australia test. So it was a full year. He'd done nothing. Did he consider for amputation? Nine, <laughs> for nine, he'd done nothing for nine months of the year. I said to him, I said, Jake, why don't you go and have the, a Tommy Tuck and all that? I says, it cost you five grand. I said, you, you might earn 15. Um, but... He got to Malaysia, he, he doubled the bet, it's 20 grand, he had three months to get to 85 kilo. I was just laughing, the whole winter, I'm like, I'm 20 grand, no problem, Jake's going to owe me 20 grand, and we just, then he's there, and he's doing a bit of training, and he's ringing me, saying I'm losing weight, and he started to work with a bit of a trainer, and this, that, and the other. Then I think he went, uh, went on a few pills here and there, <laughs> to, oh my to, God. To, 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 get, to get rid of it, really. <laughs> Thank God but he's not doing I will, doping tests. <laughs> I, will tell you, I will tell you this, mate. He turned up in Australia. He looked like a corpse walking around. Oh, he, he was, honestly, he was 80, he was 88 kilo oh with, my with, God. With, with three days to go. <clears throat> so we're there in Australia ready for this test. And I don't know how this actually worked. I'm out running with him at the time, trying to trying to lose him weight so I lose 20 grand, right? <laughs> he's there running in bin liners. He's got two bin liners on. It's 40 degrees heat at like this he's test. preparing for his heavyweight fight. He's got these bin liners on. <laughs> he's wearing a sweatsuit over the top of the bin liners. You've never seen anything like it. Anyway, the, the day of the weigh-in. So we agreed that it wouldn't be the first day of the test and it wouldn't be the third day. It'd be the middle day. So that's fair for both of us. Because I didn't want to give him one, one more day and lose 20 grand. <laughs> And, and he didn't want to not do it on the first day. So we did it on the second day. Honestly, he weighed in at 86.4 kilograms. And he, missed, he, oh. he, missed it by, he missed it by half a kilo because he had to be in the 85s. Oh, my God. Uh, and oh, poor Jake. I've, honestly, I've, I've seen Jake cry at a lot of things. I've seen him cry at my wedding, uh, uh, mine and Lucy's wedding. I've seen him cry, but I've never genuinely seen a guy break down in tears. Like having lost, saying, 
No, not uh, listen. I never took the twenty grand off him, but it, that wasn't the point. It was oh, that no. he never done it. He never done it. He never got down to it. But oh. what an effort yeah, in that's three a months! Effort in three, three months. I'm not he sure lost how healthy he kilo. <laughs> I would he have loved th- to have seen what he did on that three months. So to get rid of that weight, that's oh. a lot of weight to get rid of. Well, he 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 did it right, and it was incredible. The worst thing was he was not having it. We we were in we were in uh, in the test in in Australia. He's there, and we got we actually went to Suzuki to get their calibrated scales. We all have these calibrated <laughs> scales. Mine weren't written. He didn't want to use HRCs because didn't he said he tampered. didn't trust that I tampered with them. <laughs> then we had a then we had a normal weighing scale that like a Garmin weighing scale that I would stand on on a normal day, and then we went to Suzuki. That was like the, the middle ground. So they calibrated it to the air pressure and all these things and, and the height of, of, of where you are above sea level and the temperature and all these things that you calibrate these, uh, these scales to. And that's what he came out at. And he, honestly, oh, they're man. wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> I says, dude, these scales are probably 20 grand. The scale. I says, so, you know, they're, they're definitely right. So he was there in the sauna. He turned up with Randy Mamola with a bottle of water in his hand in a towel, and he just came out the sauna from the, from the resort. <laughs> this this is amazing. Like, it was the best, but he, uh, he did really, really well. So. Oh, it's a cracking effort, though, isn't it? Anyway, so uh, yeah. hats off oh, for that Jake. one. Yeah, we love, well, we we love with, Jake. Leeds lad, another regard, Leeds lad, you see. With regards to Jake, that's probably the only uh, viable story I can tell you on this <laughs> podcast that, would, that, would, that wouldn't get him or anybody else arrested. Uh, he's a machine isn't he he is a machine I love the man Um, I I just wonder now we were just talking before uh, we called you up Cal uh, that that Dorna have started talking about this date in July and and you were I remember when we spoke to you we spoke to you uh, on the greatest race about your victory in Argentina which was uh, going up into the final there Um, and you said that you'd wound back your training, as you say, doing three hours a day. Is that winding it back? Is that typical for you? And and now that they're looking at the end of July, one, do you believe it? Do you believe it will happen? And two, does that change things of how you might prepare now? Yeah, as I said, I just ride my bicycle. So in the moment, I'm enjoying riding my bicycle. I'm, I'm able to get three hours a day in, which is 21 hours a week. In the winter, in December, I'll normally do maybe a little bit more than that um but i'll eat and do whatever i want you know and don't look at my way just enjoy to ride my bike burn the calories and, and get in good shape then in january i tend to do a couple of 30 hour weeks and a couple of 25 hour weeks and then i go to the malaysia test now obviously i'm doing 21 hour weeks and just ticking away i'm sort of eating what i want and and not not really worrying too much as well um, but when we finally do get a date, you sort of set yourself a goal of, of ramping up or even calming it down. Mm. You know, I know I know what I normally do in between races uh, on a general uh, week that we would not have a back-to-back race, but like the one weekend in between. And then I'll start to do that sort of stuff, you know. Um, but so, what do you weigh? Do well, so the- people at home know? Like, what's your like? How tall are you, and what do you weigh? Because people. Because when people meet me, they always say, oh, you're much smaller than I thought you were going to be. And I always say, yeah. well, it's because most motorcycle racers are relatively small. They're more like jockeys. 
How tall are you then and what do you weigh? Hold on, hold on. They don't say that to you, surely. Yeah. They, they say your yeah. biceps look huge. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Okay, that's never happened, well, but in my dreams, they, You know what they, do, they should do is they say, oh, you've put on a bit of weight since you, uh, since you stopped. Um, <laughs> I get that, at, actually. <laughs> at, at, the mo- at the moment, I weigh 66 and a half kilo. Um, what's, that, what's that in real money then, Gav? Uh, I don't know. Off the top of my head. Ten, right. oh, oh, is it ten and a half stone? About ten and a half stone. Ten really? and a half stone. Wow. And how tall are you? What are you? Five seven. Five seven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I guess. Ten, ten and a half stone. Ten, nearly ten. Ten, <laughs> ten and a half stone. Hold on. Can I can I splice that a little bit? I'm just over five seven. Okay. So. That's not what Lucy. That's not what Lucy told me. I'm 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 just over five seven on a good day. Um, but I would say, you know, when I weighed in, in Malaysia at the test this year and last year, I was 64.7 kilo. So I'm like 1.5 kilo over what I was in Malaysia, which was, what's that? Two months ago. But yeah, you fat bastard. In and out burger, isn't it? You know. (laughs) You fat Um, bastard. I can't believe it. Gab, where are you at? What about this? This is how, this is how much muscle I put on over the year. So if we're talking in relative terms of what I do and, and how I carry on, my body fat in Malaysia was six point six point six percent. Now I'm about seven seven point one percent. At the end of the year, racing year, obviously traveling, you're eating the hospitality, you're not training as much bicycle wise for me. I go up to about eight eight percent body fat, which is still not a lot, but it's about a kilo, a kilo of weight, just over a kilo with the 1% is just over a kilo of, of body fat that you put on. But at the, from the start of the year, I weighed in 64 point whatever kilo in Malaysia. And at the end of the year, I'm over 70 kilo and the rest is muscle. So I put on four point, say 4.5 kilo in muscle over the year. Wow. And that's not from training. That is no. from fighting so a, a factory Honda. Basically yep. for the season. Yeah. That's so, incredible, isn't it? That is incredible. Just, uh, that, and that's why I don't go to the gym. Imagine I went to the gym, continued to do a routine in the gym all the time. Um, you know, I've tried everything. I've tried doing big weights, small weights, loads of repetitions of different things. And it just doesn't work for me. I just put on weight. And I, I've done it for years and I know it works for me. Um, but I do know that I, with my body type and my muscle type, I put on four, four and a half kilo over uh, over a season in uh, in muscle. That's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. But then you think about yeah. I just think about the likes of Petrucci, for example, who was at mid eighties, wasn't he? Dropped it, wasn't yeah. he? Drop it down to seventy nine or something. But he's, yeah. I mean, he looks like death. And we're hoping to speak to Danilo soon. Um, he said that he'll come on and speak to us on on the podcast. You, you know, you know this. The, the the thing is, we all as motorbike racers, you think about you weight, you think about being in the best shape, you think about me personally, how much I do on the bike, how many hours I do, how much distance, the speed, the power, um, everything's done on power with regards to the bicycle, and I'll know how I'm feeling on the, on the power meter. But it just shows when a guy that is, say, Mark, 64 kilo, whatever he is, he wins. And then you've got Danilo, is 80 that's a 16 kilo difference mm. 
then we're we're talking about one click of preload and uh, you know a couple of clicks of compression on the fork and stuff like that. It just shows if you're riding good on the day and you're the best rider of that day, it doesn't matter if you're 16 kilos heavier or not, you can still win a MotoGP race. Completely. Yep. And then the other way, uh, sure, Danny Pedrosa, sure. who was down 50, 53 at times, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Sure, you know, obviously different bikes, different manufacturers, but it just shows. It's not all about training and, uh, you know, how heavy you are and, and things like that. It's about you and your bike and how you feel with your bike on the day. Mm. Yeah. It, tell us this. Um, we've, we've chatted in the past about Marquez. Obviously, you get to see his data. You've told me things off camera that I'd like to chat to you about now. And I know you, you, you'll be open to, to talk about it, but like you oh, get to see why, Marquez. This is, not, is this because it's not on a camera and it's recorded? It, yeah, it's not on a camera, <laughs> but you know, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. You know what I mean. But like you, you see Marquez's data and you. I'll just do an impression of you. I'll walk in to see you, you know, you're getting changed, whatever, and you'll go, oh, like, Neil, you've just got to see his data. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, you've got to see it. Just explain what, what you can see in his data. And, I mean, you've been racing for a long time now. You're 30, I'm, how old are you? 33 years old, 34 years old. You know I'll what I mean? You've seen a lot of data, though, haven't you? You know what I mean? Like, explain yeah, why Marcus's yeah. data is... Freakish. Um, you know, Mark is this incredible talent, uh, a great guy to work with, um, to be able to not share a garage with, but be in the same manufacturer and work together with. But it's difficult to understand how he does it because he wins when it's not capable of winning. Do you get what I mean? You know, yeah. it, the way he can control the bike, the way the moments that he has, the way he slides the bike, uh, his use of the rear and front brake is something very, very incredible. Um, the one thing I will say is how much he can lock the the front wheel. Um, you know, you could pick a twenty lap race, and I guarantee, in some races, he can lock the front wheel going into a corner maybe three or four times as much as what any other honda rider does when you say lock are you talking about in a straight line the braking or both, tipping in both both you know so so it's then about your brake control or the way that he rides the way that he uses the rear brake things like that you know but only we see on on data we see the deceleration line but when they, that deceleration line has a little jagged bit in it it's the locking of the of the front wheel then it obviously unlocks and goes back into line but say you have six of them little spikes on the jagged line he might have 15 into one corner you know and he might have one that is two meters long you know but he'll do that for 20 laps and still win the race and that's the way he rides you know it's it's and incredible. To, and, to, yeah, to, it, to a normal you know. person, when it locks like that, that's normally pretty much a crash, is it? To to a normal person on the road, they I, I, I'm not saying they wouldn't know what's going on. Obviously, we we lock the front quite a lot of the time, but and we understand 
that that's the way it is. But the lean angle that he can do it with, or the way if the bike's straight, how he can control it and not um, not crash is, is, is something very, very spectacular. But it's the way he adapts to a situation in a race. Um, because as we know, he, he tests the limit a lot in, in practice and the, the qualifying, and he knows in the race what he has to do. Um, but to be that sharp week in, week out, uh, in every practice, every qualifying and every race, to finish first and second in, in, in every race in the championship on maybe a package that at some circuits was not as good as the others but still be there or still win the race is, you know, it, it's, it's hard to get your head around. But he's not unbeatable because he's been beaten in races, in certain races. Um, but he's, uh, he's an incredible, incredible talent. And uh, it's good to be able to try and learn off him in one, in one extent. But on the other hand, you don't want to learn off him because if you do try and do what he does, he doesn't end well. You've got to sometimes try and do some of the stuff he does, but filter out the stuff that you can't do mm. um, and, and, and go from there. And he signed for another four years. <laughs> HRC. Uh, were, yeah. you surprised? were you surprised by that? Like a four-year deal? I mean, none of us have ever heard of anything like that in the sport. No, not really. I, I thought that um, he would re-sign with Honda, of course. Everybody mm. thought it would be two years as every contract goes. But why not? You know, if you had an offer sat on the table from HRC that you were very, very happy with, a great team, um, they back you 100% week in, week out, and they'll do whatever you ask as such, or whatever they can do with your request, mm. uh, why, why wouldn't you? You know, um, it was obviously a great deal for him, a great deal for, for HRC and, and his team, then I think that they've done the right thing. Yeah, and what, what does that mean for you now? Because we know you've, uh, you've said that since that you were looking to get something on for next year how does how has this changed it all actually i'm intrigued by it how this year the fact that we have we, you know we may already we haven't been racing it looks like july's the very earliest we've been racing so how does that change your focus i'm, I'm thinking because valentino rossi people are saying well, what's he going to do you know his age now but but you know originally um w you'd been interpreted that you know you might see this is your last year since then you've said no if there's something there you'd be interested next year so how how has it changed your mindset with the way this year hasn't gone well i think that it brings into the uh, into reality the motivation that riders still have that obviously if you would have had a terrible year this year riding your bike then it would have been easier to make a decision but mm. um i also said at the end of last year that i wanted to carry on yeah. in 2021 mm. Um, as, as I stated the other day to you about it, I was quoted in, in an article saying, you know, maybe it'd been my, my last year. And if it is, then I'd still be very happy with what I've done. I enjoyed it, etc. But it was, it's the last year in my contract. So I also said when I renegotiated and did that and did that extra year for the extension for this year, that it might be my last contract, but, um, I don't believe it will be, um, and it, I don't really think the situation has changed with regards to me wanting to to carry on next year either, uh, with 
with regards to us not racing. Do you go? Know I mean, I don't yeah. think that's that's yeah. that's changed my decision anyway because I'd already uh, in before Malaysia and before the um, before any of this happened, I was already speaking to to Honda about uh, about renewing anyway. Cal, I was just—I was just going to say for the people at home listening who don't really understand how it works, you sort of manage yourself. I don't know if you do it one hundred percent, but um, how talk us talk us through the negotiations. Not obviously the details, but how does it work? Do you obviously first approach Lucio, or do you approach Honda, or do you approach other teams to say I've got other options and offers? How does it work? Because I know people don't know anything about that side of it, and they're really interested. Um. For me, completely different to the others because, as you said, I manage myself. I've always been a guy that um, don't don't take this the wrong way. Always doing what I want to do, um, and that's not me saying I don't like to be told what to do, but I like to make my own decisions and it be on my my terms with with my family, you know and. Um, I don't want somebody pushing me in one direction or another for their benefit. Um, my last, uh, so how many years will it be? 16, 17, 18, 19. My last four years at least, four or five years, I, I've managed my own contract uh, with everything. Helmets, leathers, uh, personal sponsors, and um, my negotiations with HRC. So, you know, I, you get to a point in your career where you know what things are worth, you know what you need to do, you know what you need to say. And I don't need a manager sat there like a nodding Churchill dog when I make the decision myself anyway. You know? Yeah. Um, you don't, yeah, you don't you need know, the go-between guy. You know what exactly. I mean? You know who, but, it, but, it sounds like, but it sounds like a lot I, of work I, at the same time. To, yeah, but how... I'm not saying... This is not strange to say, but how much work can it be? Mm. Somebody offers you something, you either say yes or no. You you go through the fine details, but the fine details are always going to be very, very similar unless you want something different and they want something different. Um, a contract's not hard to read and not hard to understand. You have a lawyer look at it from both sides and you say yes or no. You know, we've been, I've been in this sport long enough now yeah. to understand what I can and can't do. And what they expect of me, and what I expect of them. Um, I think it's strange that a lot of other riders don't do it, but actually, to me, when I look at the other riders, it's not strange. Because, well, they're younger than you, a lot of them. So yeah, and, and they well. can't. They, they, you know, and, and listen, I had Bobby Moore manage me for a long, long time, and I believe that was the best thing that ever happened because. I learned a lot from him and, I, and he pointed me in the right direction and I needed it at that time. It's just, I don't need it now and I haven't needed it the last few years. Yes, I need some help with some things here and there and I have people to help me with that, but not with regards to making decisions and speaking to uh, manufacturers, uh, teams, um, my team boss, which is Lucio, but uh, my contract negotiation is always with... Uh, with HRC Direct uh, in Japan and with with Alberto, um, and it's worked very very well, and I enjoy it a lot more than you know having maybe some deal deals on the table that 
you wanted that you don't get because you had a manager that didn't think you should have it or, you know, which is going on in the paddock permanently. Yeah. And I like to be my own boss. Yeah. And I think that what I do, it works very, very well. Well, it's, it's a control thing, isn't it, really? Because yeah. you, it's like you want to be 100% control of your destiny. You don't want a manager courting other teams. A bit of bullshit because that's part of it. You know yeah. what I mean? But because you're yeah. a straight shooter, it's like, no, I don't, don't. This is what I want. I'll speak to the people because I know I need to speak to it. I totally get that. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I will tell you another thing as well that I, um, that I do. I discuss everything with Carmelo. Um, you know, Carmelo has been uh, very influential in my career with regards to when I was at Tech 3. Just uh, hang on, K- Carl, just so people that know at home, Carmelo is the boss of Dorna. Yeah, Dorna yeah, is, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the organization that run motor GP, he's, he's the yeah. big cheese. Sorry, go on, go on. Yeah, so, you know, I, I discuss stuff with, with Carmelo and, uh, um, you know, he's helped me out over, over the years and, you know, with some decisions and maybe how to do, do some things. But, um, and I think it's very good to keep uh, Carmelo in the loop as well with regards to what's going on. Um, he runs the championship. He wants the the best of the best. He wants everything to work out for everybody. So he's always able to to help in that way. Also, um, it's yeah, I'm in a great strong position, and that I've won races. I've been in the podium every single year except for the first year um, in MotoGP, and uh, MotoGP needs the British rider. Yeah, and I've done well. You know, it's, I'm not a British rider that is just any random rider. I've done well as well. So I've earned my spot. I earned my place. Um, and that helps when you, you, you're speaking to teams and, and, and uh, doing the managerial stuff yourself as well um, because they know what you can do. It's not, yeah. I, I, I'm not trying to sell myself here. Not anymore, you know. Um, so, yeah, I enjoy it. It's... Uh, Sure, it's another to... challenge, isn't it? It's another challenge. It's another part of your job, you yeah. know. I, I couldn't, I couldn't let somebody just manage me and 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 say, okay, come back to me in uh, in three months with everything on the table. You know, I like to be involved. I like to to do something yeah. different. If I want to go and speak to uh, to somebody, then you know. Uh, without the clauses in my contract. But you, you know what I mean? As in, if I want to go and speak to, to Honda about a renewal, I can go and do it without going to a manager saying, hey, can you go and speak to yeah. this? And then, yeah. Find out where we're at. But, but a lot of that now, it comes from your experience. And as you say, you're standing. You are the most successful British rider in MotoGP since Barry Sheen because you're the only one to have won a race. But without, so you've earned your spot, you're there, and and you know your value and you know what you're worth. And it is different for other people. I sometimes call the managers the, the shit kickers. And and I don't mean that in disrespect to Neil, who I know manages no, Alex. And, but, but it's I, someone, I some, someone well. who's there who can, who can be the bad guy. You don't, you don't need that anymore, do you? Because you proved your worth. Yeah, you know, they're either going to say yes or no. I don't know how hard it can be. Yeah. You know, um, do they want to speak to you? Do they want you to ride their bike or, or do they not? And, and it's as simple as that. Yeah. And, you know, if I have 
I have such a good relationship with HRC, with um, Lucio, first and foremost, as my team manager, but also with Alberto. If there's anything to say or any problem, I pick up the phone or they pick, or they pick up the phone and that's it. Mm. You know, instead of ringing a manager saying, oh, can you do this? And can uh, Cal needs to not do that or whatever it might be. You know, <clears throat> I've always been a guy that, is, is, is as you said straight talking yeah that's and your per- I, that is I that's handle- your personality isn't it that's your can, you, yeah you can handle the truth like just yeah, just tell exactly, me what yeah. the what the exactly. issue is you yeah. know yeah or uh you know it, it can work both ways not just an issue you know i can ring them and say great job on might win in the championship you know it's it works both ways and they can ring me and say you did a great job at the, at the weekend you know instead of everything always going through a manager, et cetera. But I do think managers are good in, in, some, in some instances well, for... If for, you're a young kid. Exactly. You know? if, you, if you're in your early 20s and you've, you've no idea what your stock value is, what people get paid, you know what I mean? Sure. You, you, could, you, not, could, you could get and, taken and, advantage of, basically. And it's you? not just about being paid. It's about looking after your interests. Yeah. What's the you best know, opportunity? It's not, you know, the best opportunity... The amount of times that I've maybe took the best opportunity, i.e. when I moved from World Superbike to MotoGP, instead of just the the deal that is on the table. You yeah, know? best paycheck and, there and, and then. Exactly. And, and that's when I think Bobby was good uh, with regards to my career. You know, he set me in the right place at the right time. And um, it's gone very, very well from there, even with me doing some of my stuff in the last years. Um, you know, I do think managers are good if you have the right one, because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of sharks out there, as we know. Um, and as a lot of the riders know and have found out. So I, uh, I believe the way that I do it suits me well and I enjoy to do it. Um, Carl, here's, here's a question for you then. So you're, what do you say you are, 34? Well, you, you said 33. So <laughs> you're going to take that. Okay, so you're 32, right? You're 32. <laughs> Tell me, you're in the MotoGP paddock. You're well aware what's going on. Where is the next Cal Crutchlow coming from? I wish it was an easy answer because I. it's so difficult. I, there's nothing more than what I would love is to see some more British guys in in MotoGP. I think John McPhee, Sam Lowe's, uh, Jake Dixon, and all these guys are doing a great job in the uh, in the lower classes, and I'd love to see them move up. I think on the right package, they could do better than what uh, than what they've done. You know, obviously, we know uh, some of the ride, uh, some of the rookie riders coming into MotoGP it's easier on some bikes than others. Um, but I don't know. Honestly, honestly, I don't know. And but is there, there, is there, there anyone are, on your radar are, that you'd look are, at and you go, this kid's definitely on his way up at the moment or not? I would feel bad for saying not because that's not the case. I don't, 
I think some of these guys in the in the British Talent Cup can can make it. Honestly, I, I really really do. So we have to look uh, that we have to look that far down. The, the problem, I mean, the, do you see the, the problem, route? The problem, the problem that we have is how long it is going to take from mm. British Talent Cup to be in MotoGP. Yeah, yeah, I, it's a long time. I will, be, I will be long gone by then. Yeah, do you, do you get what I mean? Well, and, well, it was the case with, been, with Bradley Smith and, and Scott Redding. They were in the academy, and at the time, it was like, well, that's going to be the next port of call, really, in MotoGP. You came along in the interim um, and actually have stuck out there, there longer. But it's a similar sort of thing where it was a long-term goal. And, and Bradley and Scott were great, um, as, as was Eugene, as was some of the other British riders that are, have been able to ride in, in, in MotoGP either a wild card or, um, you know, for, for a year or half a year or whatever they may have done in them years that I've been there. And I think that they are very, very good riders, but maybe they just didn't have the right bike and the right opportunity, mm. you know. Um, and then if you don't have the right bike and the right opportunity, sometimes you also don't ride at your best level. And you know how, you know how it goes. You have one bad weekend, the next weekend's even worse, the next weekend's even worse. Then you have a good one and you have a good result in the next one, but it isn't good enough to keep your ride or get a better ride and probably what maybe what they deserve. Uh, you know, it's 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 a hard game. It's a hard What, sport, what, what hard path game should it be, though, now, Cal? Should it be you, you should be people looking at Moto 3 and coming through or should they do the way you did it? Obviously, the way I did it worked for me, but it it, it doesn't always work. The Moto2 and Moto3 kids are, are, are great riders, as we see now, Brad Binder. Um, you know, I think he's going to go very, very well on, on the bike that he's on, and he's came through Moto3 and Moto2. Um, you know, but I also think you could take four or five riders in World Superbike and put them in MotoGP, and they'd do well. Mm. So it, it's, it, it's hard to say. You know, I think the production-based bikes now in BSB level, whether it be Supersport or be um, in Superbike, I think they are closer to MotoGP than what everyone thinks. Sure, the feeling is different. Our bikes are aggressive, hard, hard to ride, really stiff. The tires are different, you know. It's, it's literally like a Formula One car and a... And afford focus, you know. Some, but I think that gap has been reduced over the years. That they are closer as a standard bike. You can go out and ride to a MotoGP bike. I think they're closer now. Um, so I think the gap is is smaller to be able to have to learn. You know, um, these bikes as, as standard now have have a lot of electronics on. Yeah, um, is, is I, there anyone at the moment at BSB level that you're looking, thinking, I tell you what, this kid's pretty special, he could make it, or do, do you not follow it that closely? Honestly, Neil, I feel bad that I would sit there and say no, because I'm not saying no, I'm saying I don't know. I don't know enough about it to be there week in, week out, to be able to watch it week in, week out, or what package they're on, is their package good enough? And, you know, maybe is their team good enough? And they're, they're actually way faster than what the bike they're on and their team they're riding for. 
because all that can can be part of it. I hope well, yeah. so. I, I hope so. I think Stuart Higgs and and, and the teams and uh, the riders in BSB, the the level of that is fantastic. I love yeah. watching it when I can watch it. Um, it's been great racing over the years. But there are no. Is there any kids? Because we're we're looking here at, at, at Fabio Quattararo's twenty years old. Yeah. Standing week in week out on a MotoGP podium, the people. This is not being derogatory. The people in BSB that are at the front um, are, are a little bit less than my age, you know. So their likelihood to come to MotoGP is very, very difficult. I can tell you yeah. that. Yeah, it makes it difficult. Doesn't so, it? so, so, so it's the kids we need to look at. Well, that's why that's why Jake going to Moto Two is something. I mean, Jake's still early twenties. Exactly. Isn't he? Exactly. Yeah, it's the right thing. Isn't it? Doing the right thing, you know, and, and, um, that, and I'm so glad that he's got a, a second year. But yeah, it is a it is a tough one, isn't it, to even think about it because it's got to be a long road. It's not you don't that, jump BSB to MotoGP, do you? Basically. No, but I mean also. You have to remember these manufacturers and the team managers, they're looking at kids. They're looking at Quattararo five years ago when he was in the cup that he was in. And, yeah, and the, the junior world, junior world champion. Yeah, Exactly. And so they're, they're not looking, unfortunately, they're not looking for a 25, 26, 27-year-old guy to come and race in MotoGP. They're mm. looking for the future. And... That's what's difficult is we, we need to find a, a great um, bunch of kids and that can yeah. come in and be these mark yeah. markers and the quite which is why you which is why you mentioned the talent cup <laughs> you know what I mean you know you, and, and, you, and you and didn't mention BSB yeah. that's not that I don't mention BSB because as no, I said, no no it, no no you're saying you've got to look at the youngsters the 15 year olds yeah. 14 year olds yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that they they're doing a great job with that British talent British talent cup. Honestly, you know it's not a uh, an easy thing to run, and it's not an easy thing to pick some riders out of. But I love it. I love I, I love being able to go out and watch, and you know if I can speak to them and see them and, and um, you know try and give them some advice. I know my advice might be different to a lot of other people's advice, but you have to be normal in a world that a lot of the times is not normal and as long as they're enjoying it and they're, they're doing a good job then there's no reason why some of these guys can't come up no and at this moment because it's still what we're two years in it's not paying dividends yet is it, it you know what i mean we've not no, had but anyone I think it, but that's I think progressed but they will you know? exactly but it needs time doesn't it yeah and you that's can the reality. You, the, and the other reality is you can bounce championships you know this guy's 14 15 he can be a MotoGP by the age he's 20. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, say, he went to Moto3, he had a not too bad year. Then the year after, he went really well in Moto3. Then the year after, he went to Moto2. Then maybe the year after, he goes straight to MotoGP. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, and you especially can, if there's no British riders in MotoGP at the time, you're exactly, the need to they, fast they track someone up. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, you have to have talent to be in MotoGP. And you have to, I'm not just saying any British rider will be in MotoGP because they need a British rider. A bit, 
but the reality is they want a fast British rider that's that's competitive. No, we've had well, we've had hope, years without uh, them. We have had a couple of years. I, know, I hope, I hope there's, some, there's some going to be able to come up. I'll, I'll tell you this story, to, just like to make you laugh, right? So my mate, Dickie, who's a really good mate of mine, I've mentioned him before uh, on this po- podcast. Puck Scratchings Dickie? As he's known. Puck Scratchings Dickie, right. <laughs> so he said to me the other day, he said, Neil, if you spent all winter on any bike in MotoGP you wanted, doing a pre-season test, you could... You could do all the tests like everybody else. Come the first race, where do you think you'd finish? On the whatever bike. So let's say the Yamhols appears to be the easiest bike to ride. So I went, all right, yeah, okay. So I've got all winter on it, like everybody else. I turn up at the first race, where would I finish? He went, yeah. I went, well, I'd be last. And he went, you are? I went, I'd be last. And he went, Carol Abraham would beat you. And I went, he'd thrash me. Of course he would. And I think what people don't understand is that we're talking about the absolute best riders in the world. It's funny that people presume, because I I then said, yeah, that's Carol Abraham, who in some sessions is one and a half seconds off Mark Marquez. On a bike, that's not as good as Marquez's, really. On a team, that's not as good as Marquez's. So, you, you know what I mean? I think people lose touch of reality of, to get on that grid, you have to be something so, so special, haven't you? Yeah, and I do think there's, there's some riders in other championships that could be on the grid and be better than some of the riders on the MotoGP grid, no doubt. But but there ain't many. You know what I mean, no, really? There's a handful. There's, but... there's, not, there's not a load or else they'd be there. The other thing is, is a lot of guys ride GP bikes better than what they ride other bikes because that's all they know yeah I, I i honestly believe if you went and put but let's just take quattro for an example and he's an example if if you went and put him on something that was not a gp bike i think that he would struggle more than somebody coming to moto gp because it's a different it's a completely different feeling um, yeah. So, is the jump back easier, or is the jump there easier? It's hard. It's hard to say. So, um, yeah. If you put if you put Quattro in World Superbikes th- this year on a BMW, he wouldn't be on the podium. And, no, and that's I not. I, I don't know. I don't know. You, well, you'd have to say he probably wouldn't be though. You know what I mean? Like it's like maybe I'm not saying the BMW's bad, but there's not been many. You know, he'd struggle to beat Tom Sykes. And I know what you, you might think. No, he'd destroy him, Neil. I'm sorry. It, it yeah, might it, not because it's, on the it's a different thing. You know I mean? But yeah. if if they came and rode with him, say say they both went, they both went to Yamaha at the same time, but both had never ridden in MotoGP. So yeah. Quattro yeah. came from Moto Two, and somebody came from World Superbikes. Well, Bikes. Tom Sykes came from Superbikes. Then Quattro would be the man, and and, and and they rode together. Then yeah. You know, I think that because Quattararo rode his Moto, uh, GP bikes, yeah, yeah, yeah even Moto Two, I think that then he's still going to be at the front, where wow. that jump for a world superbike rider might be uh, different or more more difficult. It's hard to say. You know, we don't see it enough anymore to be able to give uh, a valued opinion on it. Unfortunately, no, I I totally agree, and it doesn't look. Think about World Superbikes now. Think about where MotoGP's at. And it, in a way, Marquez has half spoiled it, but Quattro has completely spoiled it. 
there is nobody looking at world superbikes going right you know like people say um and, hold on. and alex rins came from moto 2 and he's now star in suzuki yeah yeah and, exactly and, and, and maverick vinales yeah had a couple of moto 2 wins and i don't know how many he had but you know i I don't remember him winning every week, and now he's a star at Yamaha. Yeah, yes. true. And not, unfortunately, they're not going to look in World Superbike. <laughs> no, well, Top Rack's slightly young good, isn't he? And how old's Top Rack? I don't know how old he is. 24, oh, 25? No. I don't know what he is. But you know what I mean? I don't know. But, but yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. It, it's a boat, it, it? You know what I'm saying? It, it'd be nice for him to move across, mm. honestly. I, I agree. It'd, it'd be great for him to move across. And who's to say that they won't, they won't take a, a, a gamble on him? Because I don't, I, I think he'd go well. And if he's going to ride for Yamaha, Yamaha is a good bike for him to come in on as a rookie, that's sure. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Gav, we're at that point for the quick fire round. I know, I, okay. but I, I was hoping that I'd have um, created you a jingle by now, but I'm afraid to say I'm behind. I can't believe we missed out on the opportunity having James Tozerland on here. We didn't get him to sing a jingle for us. Gutted about that. But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, what we'll do, we'll I won't we'll ask Cal to sing one. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll cut. We'll call yeah, Jay can, can I just we'll tell you something? Can I just tell you something? Go on. This is like a chat between three mates that we would have on a normal Saturday or Sunday exactly. or, or something at <laughs> a, a race meeting. So I will tell you, I've not listened to one of your podcasts. So what? This is like, <laughs> this, this is like just speaking to you on the phone. <laughs> this is exactly what we thought. We thought we wouldn't make it to interview it. We'd just, we'd just talk shit, really, with our mates. And... Yeah, you didn't actually know. Uh, welcome to Gas It Out. You are on the podcast at this moment. Yeah. So sorry about that. We've just dropped it on you. But what, um, what, what Neil likes to do, um, I'll, I'll let him explain. I mean, we just let him. Yeah, I gets, explain it more respect gets, than... He gets a little bit touchy at this point after an hour. And... Right. So oh. what happens is everything we've talked about is is basically a build up to the quick fire round where I ask you some really in-depth questions. Now, no, don't get me wrong. For fuck's sake, you could have just done this actually 20 minutes. <laughs> I know, I know, I, listen, I know you manage yourself, so you used to like some hard-hitting questions. But yeah, the, Can I just say something, right? Uh, when I send the invoice, I'll add on the extra. <laughs> oh, hang on. <laughs> well done, we've done... Oh, that line cut, going, has the line cut off? 15, 15 did he, did he say invoice? <laughs> Damn. See, this is why we don't... Gav, in the future, never speak to a rider that manages himself. All right. <laughs> okay. Right. First question, Cal. What's your favourite alcoholic drink? Do I have to answer in one thing? Well, what's your favourite drink? Like, unless you've got a story about, unless you got a story about it. I'm teetotal. Don't drink. Since when? Since eight years when, ago. When I first met you, you were leathered. Yeah, well, no doubt. I've got a picture. <laughs> did, you, did Lucy send you that picture? Yeah, that's a good picture. Was this, that, uh, exactly. Is this the one where you were throwing shandies in the plant pots? No. No, no. But I, it was like 1999 or something. I, I went to the BSB Awards and... Haji must have won, and I'm looking up to him like he's some sort of god. It's incredible. How wrong can be? Cal's like a scruffy chav, and I'm there yeah, in like a dicky bow. He's dicky bow and that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was thinking, this guy's a lunatic. Brilliant. I loved it. Okay. Was, so, hold, I, on, hold on. Roger Burnett by your side with his briefcase there. All right, sure. Uh, I'm there thinking I'm... I'm there thinking I'm managing myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having any of that bullshit. But what would it have been then? What would it have been uh, a drink then? A beer or a spirit? Yeah, I'd say beer. Beer, beer. Good lad. 
Um, can you cook? No. Not at all. Okay, no problem. Dream teammate? Uh, Good question. Difficult, difficult, well, difficult, difficult one. Is, I, I, know, I know for I, I Neil's think, answer think, would be someone slow, but... <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, exactly. But I'd have Carol Abraham. By the, the dream. Are you talking about the dream teammate that I've had or that I want? That you want, dream teammate. Uh, I love. I'm retired. So you can you can mention me. I don't mind. Oh yeah, dream teammate Troy Bayless. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, but if we're talking about a, a teammate that I, that I could have or ha have had or potentially have, I would say Davizioso because yeah. yeah, we brought out the best in each other. Yeah, I, I love Dobby. He's a good guy, isn't he? Um, yeah. Rossi or Marquez? What, what about him? Well, I've just put the names down on a piece of paper. I've never really thought what the question was. I just, I just, I just read out the names. I've no idea. Do you want to fight them? Do you want to like? <laughs> he's saying this go on holiday with them. I've he's no saying idea. this because on just BT this Russell. weekend we're doing uh, we're doing twenty fifteen. Okay. That's why. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it. I'd rather race Valen. Uh, Valentino um, in in a race than race Mark because the likelihood of getting beat by Mark is probably more than getting beat by uh, Valentino. Yeah, yeah. Um, two more questions. Cadwell Park or Alton Park? Favourite track? Uh, Alton, Alton Park. Park. Nice one. Right, last question. And really... I don't, I mean, I don't usually think things are, are dangerous. I used to ride around Cadwell thinking this place is narrow. Oh god, it's narrow. Oh my god. So, it's like you're on a go-kart track, isn't it? And then yeah. you're on a super I loved it. I yeah, no, it's amazing, it. but you're like, this is but gonna go so wrong. This place is narrow. Yeah, someone's <laughs> gonna get hurt here. This is just not funny, is it? Right. So right, we've had a build-up, right? So we had the first part, we've had the questions, but we've had the main yeah. questions here. So you've been around for a bit. You know, you've been in MotoGP for a lot of years now, got a lot of experience, and you're very fortunate that BT Sport cover MotoGP now. They have done for the last seven years. Yeah. Over those seven years, who is your favourite BT Sport pundit? <coughs> Do you want me to give a comment on every one of them? <laughs> oh, God. Just, just give us your favourite, really. Just, uh, okay. you know. Mark will have it. <laughs> you absolutely bastard. Loves the boffin. Just loves the boffin. That's what it is. The boffin. Hey. Actually, we all love the boffin, actually. Fair play. Fair play. You know, you know, as a racer, when you sit and watch it, you don't actually like somebody knowing what is going on too much. And he does know what's going on. He's good, isn't um, it? He's bloody good. You know, sure, he puts a bit of splice on it here and there because he has to for the TV and that. But, um, yeah, he knows what's going on. Keith, he has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> he has no... The only thing that Keith knows, he, he's great at commentating on the races, the enthusiasm, everything. But technically, the only thing he knows is the air conditioning unit in that place, in the... Uh, in, the <laughs> in the commentary box. Yeah. And it's not yeah. on. Trust me, it's not on. We get absolutely roasted in the commentary box. Julian yeah. used to end, uh, end the day uh, looking like he'd been in the shower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we yeah, love it's it. Good. It's good. You know, great. Love working with you guys at the, at the track. And Yeah, well, we um, hope we hope you get back you know, soon. Are you missing hopefully it? Hopefully we're back soon. Yeah. Are you missing it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's strange because 
I don't usually miss it. Mm. You know, I, I love to race. I love to be competitive on the starting grid and race. Um, and you always want to keep coming back to that. But I feel that I want to come back because I'm missing it. You know, which is a it's great. It's a great feeling to have because it shows that you you still want it and want it. Yeah, and often you are that you are one of the first out because you want to get home, want to go and see uh, Lucy and Willow and that. Um, so, but I just what if now because they were talking about this 14 day quarantine possibility would that that affect you? Well, I don't know. If I can't go against the government's advice. Yeah. Um. I'll work it out as and when, and uh, I'll keep in close contact with Carmelo like I, I do anyway as to when we think we are racing and when we're not, and when I'll come home and when I need to prepare to, to go to the first Grand Prix. All right, well, let's hope, Bert, that it is at the end of July and into August and we get to see you back on track soon. Um, thanks a lot for uh, sticking indoors, even though it sounds beautiful over there in California. Not jealous whatsoever. Mm. Leeds actually looked well yeah, today. Thank, thank- Hey, you know. thanks, Carl. Love your honesty, as always. Great catching up. No, no problem. And, you know, I hope everybody uh, is is doing well. You know, I think that's one thing that we need to uh, to touch on is that, you know, it's, it's a difficult time mm. for everybody at the moment. And uh, hopefully everyone's doing well and, and keeping safe and respecting the guidelines of, of the governments as well. Um, and with regards to racing motorcycles hopefully we'll be back soon but this is not the biggest thing in the world we love it more than anything um but we have to clear this up and and see if we can get back on track for everybody to be safe and healthy before we go back racing and when we do we'll hopefully be able to put on the the best show in the world again yeah, we'll see. Maybe even with back-to-back races at the same track. Could be uh, a bizarre old season, but Carl, we do appreciate it. Thanks a lot, mate, for uh, for giving us a call. And uh, hopefully we're talking again soon. Top man. Hope so. Hope so. Send take, our best to Lucy care, and Willow, won't you? Yeah, I will, I will. All right. Cheers. See you soon. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, good to have a catch up with uh, with Cal Neal, isn't it? Always and uh, always forthright. I, I mean, I, I don't think I said anything for about an hour there because <laughs> it, no, because he's just got opinions and he's happy to tell you about them. But I hope people uh, appreciate finding out a little bit more about training, about weights, and you know what what level the riders are at in in MotoGP, and then who the next cab off the rank is, because all that sort of stuff. We when we speak to Cal, we speak to Cal a lot, and I'm sure people have heard interviews with him, but you can ask the same old, same old stuff, but it's good to get, isn't it? Just that, that little bit of rider insight of what's actually going on in the world of MotoGP at the moment. Well, it's total honesty, isn't it? It, it's, there's no flannel, is there? There's no PR spin on it. No PR, himself. no PR, no BS. He, he's a, <laughs> exactly. He's, he's happy where he is in life. Everything's good. And he'll, he'll tell you what he thinks. And sometimes he'll say something where you go, oh, that's maybe not the right thing to say. But he doesn't care. He's just being honest. And I love that about him. And yeah. that's what we got then, wasn't it? Yeah. That was, and like you, like you just said, we speak to Cal all the time. And sometimes we get some golden bits of, off Cal. And then we'll get him on camera, and he's still Cal's Cal on camera. But I, I, off, I always think I wish we could get more of Cal on camera, just just to get more of the truth of what's happening in the paddock. Do you know when there's 
things going on and people are skirting around. But there are times when he's guarded. He's guarded with us when he's in team shirt and he's in the truck. uh, uh, You know, and we're doing an interview in front of all the other press where he'll he won't he won't ever tell a lie, but he'll be guarded because he's been told to be. Or yeah, you can't say something about that. He'll and then he'll, he'll deflect. And then he'll text me and say. Yeah, and they'll say, come around to my Maltron later. I'll tell you what's going on with uh, Alex Marquez. And, it, it, and you know, I'm like, we go, we go off air, don't we? And I'm going, I'm going around to Cal's. But the problem is, then Cal will tell me something. And I, because he told me in secret, I can't then, I can't then obviously betray his trust and go on air and go, oh, by the way. Um, so then I'm like, oh my God, I'm so annoyed now. I actually know the answer to this one, but I'm having to pretend I don't know. But no, I love Cal. He's, he's a good lad. And what's sad about it is when we ask Cal the question, and I know me and you sort of feel the same, where's the next Cal Crutchlow coming from? And there's not a lot of names jumping to your mind, are they? I mean, well, you know, you, Sam Lowe's, Jake Dixon are doing a great job, but are they going to get... I mean, Sam's had a going MotoGP, obviously with Aprilia, that didn't work out, but can Jake Dixon do it? Well, I like to think he can. Yeah, me too. You know, I do. But there's a, a lot's got to happen. Exactly. Thing, and you know and, I mean? and there's one thing. We didn't... We didn't give Cal the big build-up like we normally do, I guess, because um, obviously he was ready to speak to us straight away. But Cal has achieved. He's achieved in MotoGP. Uh, Absolutely. He's won three races. He's won three races. And people say, yeah, but won three races. I don't want a championship or anything like that. He's won three races in the t- one of the toughest eras of all time. But he's the first British rider to win races since Barry Sheep. That's a fact. Yeah. And are you the same as me? I walk around in bike shows or wherever I am and people will go, uh, I don't really rate Cal Critchlow. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. You feel like shaking the person. You're like, yeah, because I tell you what, I tell you what I know is really easy right now is MotoGP. I tell you what, let me have a go at MotoGP because I think I could win that championship. Not. That's, you know what I mean? That's it's exactly fine. it. But and I also but think what he's right. He's writing what he says when he came across. He's made the most, and the other people might have made the most of a similar opportunity. But he has made the most of that opportunity, and you can't yeah, knock him for that. He had the balls to do it. Exactly. He had the balls to, to take that risk because he was in superbikes. He was embedded there. He'd had a great year. He'd been offered big. It, it, it was. He didn't say this, but he was offered more money to stay in superbikes, a lot more money to stay in superbikes than go to MotoGP. But he thought, do you know what? Fancy me chances against them boys. I'm going to give it a go, and he did. And that took took balls, which <laughs> that's one thing we know Carl's got plenty of. So fair play to him. That's what I say. Fair play to the lad. Yep, yeah, and and as he said, managing himself now, he can make his own decisions. And uh, it sounds like to me. It's already on the table, and it sounds actually not just from him. It sounds like he'll stay and carry on. It sounds like Rossi is almost—I don't know—he says he'll make his mind up. I yeah, can't, I can't, I can't see that him going out on a whimper, Rossi. Not at all. Rossi's staying in team. I think we both—we well, we don't know it, but—and it'll be a case um, of Yamaha will go to that Petronas team, go to the Sepang team, and say, "Look, we've signed Fabio. We've got to have Fabio in the team next year. Look, this year hasn't panned out. Do us a favor. Do everyone a favor. Do the championship a favor. Let's keep." Valentino in front of the year and I don't think they need too much pushing to keep Valentino Rossi in your team but there might be in terms of how much you have to pay him for the year you know oh, do you think that's going to happen I was I, I always thought that they'd honour the contract and Quattro would go to the factory team yeah that's what I'm thinking say, 
Oh, is that what you're saying? Yeah, but they say to the Petronas team, obviously you're going to have Valentino, but you'll have yeah, Valentino that, on the absolute but my point, best. Exactly. My point being is, yeah, exactly. That's not going to be a hard one to thrash out. The, oh, do you want no, Valentino no, on your no. team? My point is the, the cash yeah, exactly. might be there. Yeah. The, the amount that you might have to pay him, you might need some assistance somewhere along the line is my point. Yeah, exactly. Not saying Petronas are poor, but... I was about to say that. I don't think Petronas are skint. So, yeah, 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 I don't think that's an issue. Put it, any team in the world, if they said, we've got some really bad news for you, you're going to have to put Valentino on your books for a bit. Every team I know in the world would be like, oh my God, what, we can get Valentino to ride our bike. Every sponsor will pay 10 times what they've ever paid exactly. before. So. Exactly. And of course, it'd be him and Morbid Delhi, probably. And it's like a VR46 kind of thing. It's got all, all the yeah, ingredients be there. It'd be ideal. They've said it's not going to happen between himself and Lorenzo. But uh, yeah, and, and in terms of Cal, it sounds like I think it makes, I think a lot of people will, might there might be a lot of one-year contracts going around. Yeah. That's what I get yeah. the feeling. Yeah. Well, the main men are all signing up for two years, aren't they? That's well, what it appears it, well, to be. Uh, Honda's... Well, they have done, haven't they? Haven't been, haven't yeah, been, yeah. Hasn't been decided, but Yamaha has and Suzuki has. It's Ducati where yeah. the interest can happen and Ducati can sometimes make interesting decisions here and there. So it will be interesting to see there. But uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time if and when we get back racing in MotoGP. But uh, there's a lot of bridges to cross before that happens. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But... If live sport starts coming back, then there might be a, an avalanche uh, happening after that in terms of things getting going. Behind closed doors, seems almost certain, uh, if it were to happen yeah. anyway. Um, what are you <clears throat> up to before... This is hopefully... Um, when We're recording this on a Thursday evening, but I just uh, wonder what you're doing between now and The Greatest Years on Sunday, because are you, are you in trepidation about what you might have to say on Sunday? I bear in mind we're doing 2015, yeah, am, those who don't know. No, I actually am. You, you know me with BT. I love the job. I'm never really nervous about what I've got to say, but we're going we're gonna to analyse the 2015 season. It's the most talked about season in the history of Morton GP. It really is, isn't it? Mm. It's, the, it's the Marquez-Rossi clash. It's the uh, Lorenzo-Rossi you know, battle for the championship. And it is tasty. There's a lot to talk about. I've actually prepared, believe it or not, I'm going to analyse the incident between Rossi and and Marquez at Sepang. Oh. And I've prepared a few lines, which is not like me. Normally, I'll just I'll have a rough idea in my head and just, just say it. But there's a few things I want to get across just to be clear so I don't offend people, but also I'm true to myself, because, to be honest. it is one of those things, and, I, and we're hoping, fingers crossed, to speak to Livio Super at the time, and I've seen a comment that he's put out in the last few weeks um, now we can talk a bit freer, um, where he said, if you're a Marquez fan, you're going to believe this. If you're a Rossi fan, you're going to believe this. And never, never the twain shall meet. And that's pretty much how it is, isn't it? And we hear that all the time. We hear that, well, on a weekly basis almost, don't we? Yeah. Because if we say anything good about Marquez, we get berated by the Rossi fans and vice versa. And then it comes back down. A lot of it comes down to that race. Mm. And, and we're going to analyse it. So... Yeah, I'm sort of looking forward to it. Well, I'm not sort of looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, but but I've had to prepare. Yeah, but no. What I'll do is I'll, I'll make sure I don't drink it too many Cronenbergs before we go live. <laughs> Please don't. Well, especially as well. Can you tell? I've been slurring. I've been slurring a bit on this podcast. Yeah, we have. Can told, you tell? To, yeah, can you I'll, tell? I'll try and uh, get it out yeah. on the equalizer. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah we'll cheers. see what we can do. Uh, right, I will uh, speak to you later on. Then uh, I'll speak to you right, on Sunday. Will, and for everyone yeah. who's, who's been tuning in again, um, appreciate your support. Keep liking and subscribing and telling uh, your mates and all that about it. 
and keep coming up with ideas of how we might get Neil's audio over to here a little bit. Honestly, it's got to the point where I'm thinking about sending oh, him a me. voice recorder. You're not, you're not praying at the porcelain god, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not. I just did a, I did, I just did a beer burp. Sorry. Hey, listen. This is no, professional, isn't it? For everyone who's been listening, and also, Gav, don't forget, I love you, man. Oh, God. It's even worse when he's had a few ales. No, I do, though. I love you. I love you so much. You're such a good friend. And, like, we've worked together now for seven years. We've not had a crossword. You're such a sound character. You're a top man. I, I genuinely love you. I do love you, Gav. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to get going now, so uh, I'll I'll speak to you All soon right. anyway. All right. All right. Love you, man. Love uh, you. You take care, right. and uh, everyone at home, take care yeah, thanks too. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Ciao, 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 ciao. <laughs> <laughs> ciao, ciao. Not to self. Don't drink. <laughs> I'm on me. Vic's been feeding me with beers whilst we've been doing it as well, so I'm leathered. Oh god. Right. Speak to you later. Top man. Love you, Gav. Yeah. See you, mate. Ha, 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 ha.